Hello, and welcome to Moving Markets by Julius Baer, a podcast series where our experts discuss the latest market developments and put the headlines in perspective to set you up for the coming day. Please listen to the important legal information at the end of this podcast. Hello, and welcome to today's episode of the Moving Markets podcast. My name is Lucia Chachulovic. I'm an investment writer at Julius Baer in Zurich, and I'm happy to be joined today by Mike Raubov from Investment Writing with the Markets Wrap-Up and Sipo Arnsen from Next Generation Research on Digital Assets. So let's get started. Mike, could you please give us an overview of what has happened in the markets? Hello, Lucia. U.S. equities swung between gains and losses yesterday. The S&P 500 index closed down 0.1%. The best performing sectors were consumer discretionary and information technology. Energy shares plunged as oil fell to $94 a barrel. And so the black gold is now below the level it was on the day the war in Ukraine started. The tech-heavy Nasdaq 100 index rose 0.4% to 13,311 points, putting it more than 19% above its June low. If the index closes just 0.3% higher from yesterday's close, it will meet the technical definition of a bull market. U.S. equities have been helped by a better-than-expected earnings season. 75% of the 409 S&P 500 companies that have reported earnings topped analyst estimates, Bloomberg reports today. In separate news, Meta, formerly known as Facebook, raised $10 billion in its first bond deal. The offering was in four parts, with the 40-year priced at 1.65 percentage points above treasuries, it is being reported. And shares of companies that make vaccines and therapeutics linked to monkeypox rose yesterday as the U.S. declared the virus a public health emergency. In central bank news, Cleveland Federal Reserve President Loretta Master said interest rates should be lifted to a little above 4% to ease demand which is higher than the 3.5% discounted by the market currently. After the Bank of England delivered its first half-point hike since 1995 yesterday, the Reserve Bank of India raised its key rate also by half a point to 5.4% today, citing inflationary concerns. And the Reserve Bank of Australia upgraded its inflation forecast with headline CPI hitting 7.75% by end of this year. In precious metal, gold is trading at a one-month high after jumping to 1791 US dollars yesterday on inflation concerns and more lately US-China tensions. China is reported to have fired missiles over Taiwan for the first time during its biggest military drills around the islands in decades, as Beijing protested US House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's visit to Taipei. However, shares in Taiwan are up more than 2% in a relief rally that the situation has not gotten out of control. In Japan, the Nikkei 225 is up 0.8%. A data release there showed that household spending jumped 3.5% versus a year ago, supporting the idea that the economy is in fact recovering. In currencies, the euro is at 102.32 against the US dollar, and one U.S. dollar buys a little more than 133 Japanese yen. And in the world of digital assets, the major coins are mostly higher, with big 
Bitcoin back above 23,000 US dollars. Traditional financial institutions seem to be going also more into crypto. The crypto exchange Coinbase Global gained 10% yesterday following the announcement of a partnership with BlackRock. And the CME Group, one of the world's largest derivatives exchanges, unveiled plans yesterday to launch Bitcoin and Ether futures tied to the euro at the end of this month. Coming to economic data releases, German industrial production for June surprised positively. It gained 0.4% on the month, while expectations was for a, a contraction of 0.3%. Industrial production data for France and Italy will be also out during European morning hours. But the big focus will be today will be on the US payroll figures. Expectations are that non-farm payrolls rose 250,000 in July and that the unemployment rate remained at 3.6%. Any sharp deviation from these numbers may lead to a rapid repositioning by investors later today. But for now, European equity futures seem to follow the lead from the US and Asia as they're expected to start the day in the green. This is all from me, and back to you, Lucia. Thank you very much, Mike. Now, Sipo, over to you. What is your take on what's currently happening in the digital asset space? Yeah, thank you, Lucia, and um, good morning from my side as well. You know, as Mike mentioned before, this was a big week for crypto, with, you know, headlines being dominated by the actions of some institutional investors partnering with leading centralized exchanges in order to offer um, institutional clients the opportunity or a sort of simplified uh, one-stop shop to access crypto investments. Now, you know, something that did not necessarily make the headlines, but, you know, for me still remains very much top of mind for all investors in the crypto space is the security and potential hacking exploits that are constantly targeting crypto. Now, during the early hours of Wednesday morning, reports broke of a hack targeting thousands of Solana-based wallets. And, you know, while details of the hack remain quite limited as, you know, software security specialists still are identifying different uh, affected wallets and measuring the overall damage, the initial indications suggest that at least five million US dollars worth of Solana tokens have been stolen with the figure, you know, much more likely to increase as more affected wallets are identified. Now, maybe just to provide some historical context on the Solana network, you know, this was very much created as a faster and cheaper infrastructure network alternative to Ethereum with, you know, their innovative proof of history consensus mechanism, which, you know, was really touted as being able to achieve significantly higher transaction throughput at essentially a fraction of the cost when compared to existing infrastructure networks. Now, you know, many developers have been attracted to these touted benefits, um, but the network has historically suffered from several network outages in recent months, with many developers, you know, really questioning whether the increased focus on scalability and low fees ultimately maybe came at the expense of the reliability and security of the network. Now, you know, these reliability concerns still linger amongst the developer community. We think this latest exploit on the network may, you know, even further dampen sentiment towards Solana and reignite the debate about the security of the network. Now, what was the price reaction? So the initial reaction to the exploit saw the SOL token falling by over 7% um, to around 38 US dollars, but has since recovered to break through the $40 support level once more later in the day and has sort of maintained that throughout the week. 
Now, interestingly, this price reaction appears somewhat muted, considering that, you know, historically, any exploit of this nature and magnitude has, you know, really led to much harsher price drawdowns for the associated token of the platform that has been targeted. So this price reaction does not seem, you know, large or sort of significant in the context of historical reactions to exploits. Now, you know, I think hacks and exploits are nothing new in the world of crypto, but this week in particular has seen a series of high-profile hacks targeting different elements of the crypto ecosystem. The Solana exploit that I just talked about came just days after the Nomad bridging protocol lost nearly $200 million in a security exploit early on this week. Now, without getting into the details of that specific hack, you know, we think high level here that these developments really reinforce our view that you know, security remains a crucial element of the blockchain trilemma, as it's called, which essentially dictates that all blockchain networks need to find an appropriate trade-off between the three elements of security, decentralization, and scalability. Now, additionally, we think this also highlights how important it is to secure your crypto through you know, proper custody management, and this really reignites the debate around hot versus cold storage. Now, you know, essentially cold storage is keeping your crypto on a hardware wallet that is not connected to the internet, while hot storage, on the other hand, is any crypto kept in a digital wallet that is connected to the internet. And long story short, essentially being connected to the internet or having hot storage, of course, uh, creates an attack vector for uh, hackers to essentially access that crypto. So, you know, the super secure alternative to having a digital wallet would, of course, be a hardware wallet, which would uh, qualify as cold storage. That's all from my side. Back to you, Lucia. Thank you very much, Sipo. And with that, we conclude today's episode of the Moving Markets podcast. Thank you very much to our speakers and thank you all for tuning in. We do hope that you'll join us again soon. Goodbye for now. You have been listening to Moving Markets by Julius Baer. If you like what you've heard, subscribe to our show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen. To learn more about Julius Baer, our people, or our latest thinking, visit us at www.juliusbear.com. This is a podcast disclaimer. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. The podcast content is intended for information purposes only and does not constitute an offer, a recommendation, or an invitation by or on behalf of Julius Baer to buy or sell any securities, security-based derivatives or other products, or to participate in any particular trading strategy in any jurisdiction. Julius Baer does not accept any liability for any loss arising from the use of the podcast content. Please refer to www.juliusbaer.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information.